three stories below ground, halfway to hell, and no way out. What they give you? 31 years. You are about to enter the fortress, a privately owned maximum security prison operated by the Mentel Corporation. John Brunnick, the most decorated captain in the history of the Black Beret. Prisoner 95763, step forward to be intestinated. You have nothing. You are nothing. We will monitor your behavior. I don't think you realize your predicament. You have nowhere to hide. We will control your thoughts. The law is clear. We must maintain the population balance. We will invade your dreams. This is an unauthorized thought process. Touchy. Disobedience will not be tolerated. It's been in there for three days, and no one has ever lasted four. You will be enhanced and reprogrammed to be a more efficient human being. When my kind are in the majority, there will be no more overpopulation. A high-tech prison. Who started the incident? Built to withstand anything. Let's find out. Except an innocent man. We go tomorrow morning. Activate the strike clone. Christopher Lambert. Fortress, where the punishment is the ultimate crime. Going out won't be fun. Oh, but it's gonna be a trip. This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. And here we are in the spoiler room. Yes, it is sci-fi January, and we are continuing our uh, trend here of covering films that take place in the future of 2017. And we've got another one on the block. Last week, it was Running Man. This week, it is Fortress. And I have a great crew uh, with me tonight to help talk about this sci-fi film starring Mr. Christopher Lambert. And first off, we have the diva of the spoiler room. She is back. It is Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to have you here. And uh, she's kind of the reason we're doing this. And she brought up, hey, sci-fi films, it's take place in 2017 and we managed to find some so uh great suggestion there don and next to don bfd himself it's glenn how are you doing tonight glenn i'm doing all right awesome you're sounding sounding better my friend sounding better i am feeling better good to hear good to hear and next to him is a bowtie man himself it is mr paul salzer hello paul hello everyone glad to have you here to talk about this epic in quotes, uh, film. <laughs> next to Paul, we have a baby spice himself. He is back once again, Aww. Mr. Scotty D. Hello, sir. Welcome back to the spoiler room. Hey, great to be here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Huh? <laughs> Did Fortress have that much of an effect on you? Even the words of Glenn. 
<laughs> well, you have a little story of, of how how you the only way you could really rewatch this film, don't you? Like I do. You? Well, I mean, I'd seen the film before, but I mean, sure. I'd but it had been a number of years. Uh, you know, I probably hadn't seen the film for like about fifteen years, and um, I'm thinking I have a lot of movies, guys. I mean, a lot of movies. You do. I, I've oh. got uh, like basically anything I watch. I have on DVD, uh, uh, and uh, I have it. Uh, I have DVDs, and I have backs backups on uh, hard drives and stuff like that in case something happens to the DVDs. And um, basically, we're talking like about fifteen thousand movies. You are the man. And not really, I have like, not. I have not watched most of them. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are like your own cinema oasis. Uh, so. Yeah, video oasis. Yeah, the um, that was that's a blast from the past for Astro Radio Z folks. But anyway, <laughs> the um, but yeah, I so I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I know I have, I know I have Fortress because you know I keep a big database because when you have that many movies, you have to keep track. And I'm like, I know I've seen it in the drawers there, in my in my little filing cabinets, and I've seen it on the database. Sure. Oh, I had Fortress. I had the 1986 Australian film Fortress. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, shoot. Although, do I do I remember enough of this movie to do, be on this show? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I'd really better. Uh, I I can't remember. I mean, does Jeffrey Combs live? Does he not? I can't remember. So <laughs> I was looking everywhere. Like, okay. Uh, streaming services, uh, Amazon, uh, Hulu, anybody, Netflix, uh, is Fortress playing anywhere? Because it's now too too late for me like to order a DVD, which I'm not going to do anyway because it was too expensive. Sure. And I'm like, there's nowhere. So what <laughs> I had to do is I had to uh, sign up for a seven-day <clears throat> It's the first time I've ever done something like this. I signed up for a seven-day free trial to Stars wow. uh, through my Amazon Prime service, uh, and now I'm thinking. I, uh, part of me is like, I'm going to cancel it and, and, and before the seven days are up, and part of me is like, eh, I don't know. There's a lot of good westerns on here, but um, <laughs> yeah, probably going to cancel it. I mean, I, I've, basically, what I've done is I've said like, okay, I watched Fortress on it, and then as if. Because I'm like, because that sure as shit didn't give me my, you know, $9 worth. <laughs> uh, I basically am looking at this thing, thinking like, okay, now, okay, every single night for the next seven days, we are watching something on this damn <laughs> Stars Channel app. What is this? Shattered. I haven't seen that in 25 years either. We're watching that tonight. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, that, sit, that show with uh, that Patrick Stewart hat on. We're going to watch that. We're gonna just, I mean, stuff I wouldn't even watch. I'm like, I'm like okay, uh, well, well, hell, I haven't seen you know, I don't. I always wanted to get around to seeing ordinary people. Maybe tonight's the night. Who knows? You know, just something to get the value out of. You know, the free trial. You know, before if I forget to cancel in time. You know, when they start to charge me. Well, well, we do appreciate the sacrifice you made there, Scott, yeah. for the not, show. Not, not everybody. All, not all of us did. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky enough to know someone who had a copy of it. Thank you, Don. Uh, uh -huh. so. <laughs> and Paul. 
What? <laughs> no. I, I was in the same situation as Scott. I looked all <laughs> over the place. You could either get it on YouTube, which was playing. Uh, they took a 130-minute movie, or not 100, uh, uh, an hour, 30-minute long movie, and they, they sped up the, the speed of the movie so it would fake it to a 118-minute something movie. I didn't want to watch that. Well, they also uh, changed the aspect ratio on it. I know. It was horrible. I didn't want to. I said I no. See, I couldn't even find that. Oh, there's just, two of them out there that are like that. I, it, first of all, I don't, like the, I don't like it when people do that anyway, like on yeah. YouTube and stuff, but, but I was desperate. I might have done it. <laughs> <laughs> And and I I was in the same situation. I was like, okay, let's go let's go to my standby. Amazon's usually always got it. They got for, they had Fortress Two. I think they had the the uh, the 2012 Fortress movie. Yeah. Which, they had that if you had Amazon Prime. But Amazon Video didn't have it because you had to get stars. And I was not going to do it. <laughs> I was not because. I am not that big of a fan of Westerns either. <laughs> so, no, no, I wasn't going to do that. So, it, so I'm going to do this completely from memory. So if, if I like mix up the characters or if, you know, that's, nah. that's on me. That's on me. You do realize everybody, this is now what we have to do. We have to on purpose, give Paul the wrong like oh, no. synopsis for the movie <laughs> and like talk about things like yeah and then keith david comes in and- <laughs> 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 the cameo by sandra bergman man i tell you <laughs> anyway I'm gonna so- hurt you guys i will <laughs> Tonight we are looking at Fortress, not the 80s one, the 90s one with Mr. Christopher Lambert, directed by Stuart Gordon, who uh, is a familiar name, I'm sure. And the synopsis, according to Ibidim, is <laughs> Sorry. a futuristic prison movie. <laughs> That's how it starts. Protagonist and wife are nabbed at a future U.S. immigration point with an illegal baby during population control. The resulting prison experience is the subject of the movie. The prison is a futuristic one run by a private corporation bent on mind control in various ways. This is an awesome summary. Was that was that a IMDb? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a storyline summary at IMDb. That was so, that was that, that was something that was taken from like a. Originally, that was like on like in some other language, like Polish or something like that. So we just tossed it through Google Translate. Didn't proofread it. Awesome. So yes, Christopher Lambert stars as John Henry Brennick, and he and he, he's a, a disgraced general who's trying to smuggle his pregnant wife across the border because in the U.S. they have population control, and they are caught and thrown into the fortress, a high-tech prison that has a lot of variety of your cliche prisoners in here, <laughs> as well it's run by uh, the same guy who took on RoboCop, <laughs> and it's from that 70s show. Kurt Wood Smith is also in here as prisoner director Poe. You've got uh, Colin, uh, you've got uh, Jeffrey Combs in here, Vernon Wells. Uh, yeah, and a whole lot of special effects in the uh, uh, fortress. Let's were, were they really that special? Well, <laughs> it depends on your definition. <laughs> well, there is a definition. Um, it's not a very, no, I it's would not say a very, very ni- not nice or politically correct one. And we're going to go with 
Mr. Bittner, you remember when you first saw this uh, interesting film? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. I got it from a video rental place when I was in college, because that's what I did. I wasted money that could have been spent on things like not having student loans on things <laughs> like this. <laughs> This is not. This is not like an awful film. It's. I think it's fun in its own way. Although I do remember watching and saying, "Man, if that's the prison of the future, I'm fucked." Because if they see my dreams, I'm gonna be zapped every night. (laughs) (laughs) And it's set in 2017, and we're still waiting for a prison like this. I tell you, can read your dreams, huh? As far as we know, yes, that's true. You are. You are correct in that. So, Paul, <laughs> do yes. you remember when you first saw this film? I did not watch it right away. I will admit to that. I did watch it much later. Uh, this was back when I I did have kind of a man crush on Christopher Lambert, uh, watching Highlander a lot. I, I really started getting interested in Highlander, and I saw, oh, he's in here. I'm going to watch this film. Uh, and it was probably the late 90s when I first saw this. So I was much older, and... Uh, I think I did enjoy the film uh, a lot, and uh, I'm actually kind of scared of how it, some of the things could potentially come to be, you know, in modern age. I'm looking yeah. forward to it, actually. Well, I mean, we're talking back in the 90s, and uh, I mean, in the 80s, we had nukes. That mm. was the big scare in sci-fi. But then the 90s, it was more about overpopulation. At least that's the way it felt, because you were always big in the news of how many people there were in the world. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it, it gave a little bit of a future, though. Their future that they have in here, we're not that close to it. I think we were closer to the Running Man's 2017, personally. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> But, I mean, there, there's some, like, the border controls and those type of things. You know, computers that could potentially run our lives, that sort of stuff was, but, was definitely prevalent in here. So, Well, look in your pocket or next yeah. to your computer and look at your smartphone and then tell me again about computers that run our lives. Hey, Scotty D. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Scotty D, what about you, sir, when you first saw Fortress? I really wanted to see it in the theater. I was a sucker for anything with sci-fi, and um, Christopher Lambert, God help me, I did like his movies uh, for a time. Uh, yeah, he was kind of a, I don't want to say like he was like a superstar, at least not in America. Europe, he was really big, really big in Europe. Here, yeah, no, but he did well enough. You know, he had this, he had the Highlander, he had, you know, uh, the Hunted, stuff like that. This one, uh, yeah, this movie, uh, when I saw it, I thought, yeah, it's all right. (laughs) And, of course, I wanted to see it because of Stuart Gordon. And I would say that some of it's come true. There's, like, certain things, like, for instance, uh, you were talking about the the different things that may have come true and whatnot. One thing that is did seem quite relevant was that they make a big deal about the prison being privately owned by a, a very powerful corporation. And uh, the uh, and the notion of privately owned prisons is something that has really come into like the headlines in the last few years. Whether most people in the in America were aware of it before or not, you suddenly see all these articles that, gosh, most of our prisons are privately owned, and there's also ha- tends to be like this disproportionate 
uh, convictions of a cert of certain members of society, and the fact that United States is jailing more people per capita than basically any other country <laughs> or out there. You know, so that's a so that actually has come true. And uh, then there's the stuff that was kind of reactionary uh, to the time, which was um, the idea that the families only get to have one child because of op- overpopulation was a uh, policy uh, from China. Mm-hmm. And now these days, um, I don't know what the status of that, of that policy is. If that's, I, I think that still is. I'm not sure. Cause China, still in you, effect? Know, I was, you know, China is so open about their policies. So. Well, yeah, that's the thing. But you know, but we have, you know, our relationship with China in the last, you know, 20 or so years mm-hmm. has gotten so much closer. You know, our uh, economic systems have become intertwined and some would argue that some of our government systems has become kind of intertwined and stuff. So now, I mean, it's a comic book movie. It's not. It's it's a very cornball movie. So it's not going to be true. But there are certain things where you're kind of like, actually, there's a little bit. Yeah, a little bit that is becoming a little more relevant than it was when they made this dopey little movie back years ago. Oh yeah, it, it, definitely. Uh, with the policies that we ha- they have in that, and the whole privatized. I mean, privatized. Uh, police force and privatized prisons and that that's been a subject for a number of years even we saw that all the way back in robocop uh you know where they talked about privatization so and yeah here we are now in 2017 and we do have uh these uh prisons for profit if you will so that that is it it did foretell that so it was a little little prophetic here but uh you're right about the one child thing in fact that's the motivation for mr john henry and his uh, wife who is uh was also i think a soldier when he met her uh and they're trying to sneak across the border of uh to to get their second child actually out because well the first child actually died at childbirth but that they they used up their their one child allotment which uh yeah you could almost see the government pulling on that but uh this checkpoint here paul (laughs) what do you think about this checkpoint they're scanning uh pregnant women yeah and she's got the she's got that little like metal vest on and and to to prevent it and and oh it it was kind of nerve-wracking it was actually a very suspenseful part of the film because it's like okay uh this is interesting what's gonna happen and uh sure 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 enough you, you have to expect this early in the film for something to go wrong which it does uh but you know, I enjoy this these type of happy uh, sacrifice type of thing, and and basically uh, the the main protagonist felt like, yeah, I, I sacrificed uh, myself. I'm going to jail, but at least my wife's going to get get out. Scott, you know, I almost said Scott free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Scott. No, no it wasn't fine. free. It it's wasn't fine. free. He had it to was, sign up for. No, it was. It was. It, 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 was it, it was Scott. It was Scott. Nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I like the fact that John did this. Uh, the the thing right at the beginning, where he he basically uh, allows his wife what he thought you know to get through, and it was that was a like like a, a high point to me. And so when that continued on and you found out more about the story, it was like, oh, I was drawn in. So that they did a good job with that, in, in my opinion. With the 
Yeah, with the checkpoint. I thought that was yeah. interesting. And it, it wasn't too futuristic at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, Glenn, how about you with the, the opening of how this the film uh, opens up? You think uh, it opened up to help kind of set the, you know, the idea of what world they're living in currently uh, with just that opening scene there with the checkpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think that that sets it up perfectly. I mean, you know, it's it's in essence a police state. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a good setup. It's quick without you know dragging things out, and you you know so you can get to the prison right away, as opposed to you know some movies where it's like, "Look, cause we're the force, we're about a prison, and we'll spend forty five minutes before the guy ends up in the prison." <laughs> <laughs> this one yeah. is, it gets you what you need right away, and then yeah, it's, like, it's done. Off to jail with you. <laughs> <laughs> Not off when you see people. Have been showering. Oh, yes. Yes, can't forget that. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, we can't. It's just odd to see people escape from America to Mexico. Usually it's the other way around. <laughs> so, Don, what did you think of this opening scene and, and when you first saw uh, Fortress as well? Um, when I first saw it, I loved the movie. Watching it the second time, uh... <laughs> A little less. Um, the opening scene, I agree with uh, what Paul said. I, I thought it was an awesome sacrifice for for the character to make, making sure that his <laughs> making sure that his uh, wife got out, sacrificing himself. The very gallant, very gentlemanly, and then you mm-hmm. know. Yep. What and happened then, next? In which he gets put into a cattle car, and they get taken to the fortress. Yes. The, uh, futuristic corporate prison, which I, I kind of dug that uh, where they're sitting there going, where's this big, huge fortress? And turns out it's underground. <laughs> Scott, what'd you think of the design of the fortress? Eh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's I mean, it's a it, it's a fortress mm-hmm. and, you know, all fort like and um, it's 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 good that it is underground and stuff like that. It's <laughs> I lived in a town where they built a state-of-the-art prison in uh, Minnesota, and most of it was underground. You didn't oh. see much. You you saw like a little bit above ground. It almost looked homey, but not quite, you know. And uh, you, what they you didn't realize is that there were several floors underground. So it kind of like make, makes me chuckle looking at it. <laughs> and of course, it's a good uh, excuse to set your thing underground because then you can just shoot your whole movie on uh, film sets and in like old warehouses and water treatment plants and all the other things, you know, that they used to shoot in to save money. So, well, actually you mentioned saving money. It surprises me that this film was only $8 million. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think they got a a good amount of value for their buck. Wouldn't you say, Paul? I I agree. Even though they didn't make their money back. Well, no, but, I mean, for the sets and everything that they had, it was uh, smart. It was very smartly done. They they mm-hmm. seemed very frugal with what they what they were doing. Uh, I'm I'm almost I almost think that most of the money went into getting their stars. <laughs> yeah, it was like we mentioned. I mean, Lambert was kind of big at the time. Kurt yeah. Smith, you know, Vernon. Well, I mean, these these guys, I'm sure, did come with somewhat of a price tag at least. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like I like the simplistic. Yet I, I still thought they did well with establishing it and giving it a futuristic feel to it. I loved the idea that they could build onto it. They used the the entire 
prison population to basically expand the prison. And you could either go up, which they couldn't do in this situation, or you went down. So building it underground, a hugely great idea, I think, in my, in my opinion. Uh, building down was just, it was neat. And it was a great idea. And since it was a corporate thing, they and they paid was it twenty seven bucks a day per prisoner? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, they the more they built underneath, the more prisoners they could put in the fortress. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of a, it, it did make sense in there. Uh, Glenn, how about you? How well, how did you feel about the fortress and how they designed this, uh, especially with the budget they were on? Do you think they sold the? Uh, the futuristic feel of this movie? I think so. I, I mean, they sold it futuristic and they sold the fact that it's a prison. It wasn't, you know, this uh, a problem I have, and this is more with modern sci-fi, is when, when they do, everything is just so clean and crisp and perfect. Mm-hmm. And this was a bit rough, <laughs> which is what I think a prison would be. Well, especially one underground. with Underground that is kind of still under construction or under constant construction. Because that's yeah, what yeah. these prisoners do, is they're, they're always working. So, no, I think they sold that pretty well. Yeah, I think so, too. And here we get, uh, after the stripping scene, uh, we get a common theme that's that seems to come up in sci-fi uh, prison films, uh, well, or just sci-fi in general with prisons, is tagging your prisoner with something lethal. <laughs> Uh, we saw this in uh, the movie we covered last week, Running Man, with something with an exploding collar that popped your head. But this one, Don, what kind of device did they have here for this prison? Oh, my God. I forgot what it was called. Um, the intestinator. It was a device. The intestinator. That's what it was called. I was going to say the device goes into the stomach. And can either cause pain or make your guts explode. Yes. And who the lovely violence. What? Oh, the lovely violence. Yes. Uh, what would you say? I said, hmm, I wonder if we'll get a demonstration of how that works. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was watching this going, wow. Uh, they took a the page right out of the running man <laughs> book because when you got a device that says, well, it's going to explode something, as we said last week with Running Man, well, again, the movie has something that says, well, if you go past this, it's going to explode. And we are showing this with a toss-off character who, um, yeah, well, you knew right away that uh, he was going to be, because he said he was only in there, what, for like 60 days? (laughs) You know, so that right there told you that his ticket was punched anyway, because he said, oh, I'm only going to be in here for 60 days. You're like, yeah, you're dead. It's always, it's always the sweaty bald guy, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, sweaty bald, the sweaty bald guy, Kevin in Shawshank, Kevin here, the sweaty bald guy is the guy, I can't do this. And I think here, wasn't it Tom, was it Tom Tolles who was doing think, that part? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. From, from, from Henry. Yeah. Yep. And it, and uh, it's like, oh, I can't like, oh, yeah, this guy's just, he's got to freak out eventually and uh, do things like, and of course they're telling him like, okay. Uh, you gotta calm down. He doesn't calm down. Okay, you've got to, you've got to get back in line. He doesn't get back in line. Okay, now you're hurting yourself. You gotta not go beyond the yellow line. Okay, goes beyond the yellow. You gotta not go on the red line. That last chance, buddy. <laughs> he just keeps going. It's like this one. They're kind of, you know, 
at the one point, you know, everybody's like, oh, how horrible. I'm like, it's kind fault. of was his fault. Yeah, it's not <laughs> you, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> In the history of cinema, when has anybody listened to a thing like that? If that isn't the hero. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. No one ever really, really listens to that. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, we get the cast of characters that live in our prison. And uh, yeah, this group of guys, at least there's some diversity involved. Glenn, <laughs> this band of merry men that uh, uh, our John Henry meets up with, uh, would you say that they have at least a little bit of an original spin, or would you say they're all pretty much your cliche prison guys? I think it's fairly cliche. I don't know. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to with original because there's always just, there's always certain types of you see in prisons. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, you know, I mean, maybe a little, but no, nah, not really. Did you have a, uh, a favorite character? Cause we have what, uh, we got Abraham in here, uh, D-Day, We've got Maddox, who's who's kind of the bad uh, guy, who's uh, the rival for John Henry. Yeah. Uh, any of them stick out to you that you liked? Uh, I mean, Abraham a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, D-Day, just because I like the name. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was into explosives too, played by Jeffrey Combs. He was the the yeah. the the tech geek guy who uh, later on comes up with a way for them to get the explosive out of their belly, which I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Scott? Did you have a a favorite out of this group of of merry men? If you had asked me when I first saw this movie, it would have probably almost definitely been uh, D-Day because because it was played by Jeffrey Combs. And I was such a big Jeffrey Combs fan. Like I said, part of the reason I wanted to see Fortress was it was Stuart Gordon. Uh, today, Abraham. Uh, yeah. I liked the, I liked his performance a lot. Uh, I liked uh, what he put uh, to the part that he was not one of these short timers who's all skeezy and stuff. He was actually trying to play along with the system and trying to do this because he thought maybe like that next thing will be the thing that gets me. Uh, play by Lincoln Kilpatrick. Uh, Kilpatrick uh, he did a great job in this part, I thought. Uh if you remember him from the Omega Man, oh yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I thought he. I liked his part a lot. So, revisiting this years later, I'm going to go with Abraham. Yeah, Abraham was really cool character, and one you could tell they gave a little more thought to with him. And uh, Lincoln really makes the most of that role. And they do this thing with him where uh, you've got Kurtwood Smith, who's playing the prison director Poe, and he's constantly saying, "Oh, well, next parole." You know, we're getting closer to your next parole. But, uh, you know, even though he plays it off, I think Abraham always knew there wasn't going to be another parole. Would you say, Scott, that? that Yeah, well, he was. Well, that's like a thing. You know, he keeps on working towards it and working towards it. But, you know, uh, Christopher Lambert Lambert brings it up to him at one point. Then he says it again. He says, look. I've just been clinging on to that, you know, hoping yeah. that there was some purpose to everything I've been doing, but they're never letting me out of here. I'm way too valuable to them as is. Yeah. Yeah. They don't they don't care. It's a no. corporation. They don't give a shit about you. No, they don't give a crap. Uh, Don, how about you? Do you have a favorite character out of them? Like Scott, back in the day, it was Jeffrey Combs, D-Day, and still holds up. 
Oh yeah, you, you really dug D Day, did you? I thought it was a lot of fun. Goofy makes makes you wonder how. Uh, you know, he must have used his smarts to stay alive in there because the way that prison was, I, I would have imagined he would have been. You know, I, I always wondered about that though, wondering if he had someone's protection or if he just was smart. Uh, yeah, he was biding his time, waiting for the opportunity to to blow something up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Because he wanted to blow something up, something fierce. Uh, yeah, and I got, I gotta love those glasses. So, I mean, I mean, how blind was he? <laughs> he was like Velma Dinkley. <laughs> I was gonna say the, he had that Velma moment when he broke his glasses, and uh, later on when they're doing the prison escape, and, and he's, I'm going, wow, just how blind were you, dude? <laughs> I'm not that bad, <laughs> and trust me, I'm bad. <laughs> There's so then, a moment. Well, there's that moment though. Don't forget when he's losing his glasses. But miraculously, later on, when it comes time to you know program the computer, suddenly he can see again. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I, I, I did. I may have missed something, but I don't want to rewind. And suddenly he's able like to type in the code and see the screen and everything. <laughs> he he can, Well, it was a big monitor. It was a big monitor, and he was looking up close to the keyboard. He didn't see uh, a giant sure. robot in front of him before. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that that giant robot is a bigger, you know, like how do you do than a monitor? <laughs> well, but the, but the robot was the same color as the background. I've so, got you know. I've got the zoom in on my monitor. I mean, my my eyes are my eyes are shot. I've got a long history with this. I've got the zoom in on my monitor. Uh, and, but and but let me tell you something. If you're talking about comparing the two, if I saw a giant robot in my house, I'd be like, whoa, giant <laughs> robot. Let me get my glasses. <laughs> and uh, Paul, how about you? Uh, which of the prisoners did you enjoy? Was it D-Day as well? Uh, I did like D-Day because he is a tech guy, and that's that's kind of me at heart. But I did, of all the characters, I liked Brennick, uh, you know, Christopher's uh, character, because... Uh, growing up in the 80s and watching the action films, uh, Christopher Lambert is the type of hero that I think I could be. You know, I, I don't have the physical stature of Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or uh, Sylvester Stallone, and neither does Christopher Lambert. And Christopher Lambert, he he kind of thinks his way through the problems, and that's that's the type of hero that I enjoy. And that's because because of that, uh, I felt like. I could be that type of hero in this story, and that drew me to his character more than any of the other characters. Yeah, he, Christopher Lambert was definitely kind of that action guy. I mean, he he mostly was direct-to-video stuff, at least here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you look at him, he, he didn't quite look like the rest of your average uh, the action heroes back then. So. I, I can see the appeal, and and I I always just loved his voice. Ever since Highlander, there can be only one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know he, he has these weird facial expressions, which are which are nice. He does that smile thing. Yeah, and every that little smirk in every movie. And I was kept waiting for him to do that thing where he just goes, Heh. and like every movie he does is like there's like some part where he'll smile and just go, Heh. <laughs> it's like the Lambert touch. It's like. Clint Eastwood had, you know, make my day. Arnold had, I'll be back. And Christopher Lambert had, heh. So. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear a heh here, though. So. No, there was. There was it probably, that's probably what affected its box office. 
Ah. It, it might have. It might have got him a few more dollars, actually, if he would have did the heck. Needs more heck. <laughs> 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 and uh, so these are the guys that these prisoners you're you're most supposed to get behind most of them, uh, except Vernon Wells' Maddox character who uh, uh, was the big uh, big baddie uh, or alpha male, if you will, at the prison. But uh, the bad guy is prison director Poe, played by Kurtwood Smith, who, as we alluded before, uh, we saw him as uh, uh, Clarence in RoboCop, which he was an awesome villain in. And this is a guy who <laughs> later on, I mean, we'd see him in the seventies show, but uh, Don Kurtwood Smith kind of, he, he gets, ta- he, he kind of got pigeonholed into the villain uh, <laughs> role. But what'd you, what'd you think of his prison director Poe? Not quite what you might expect from a film like this. Was he? Not quite. He played the. He played a really creepy, stalker, creepy weirdo sex perv thing. <laughs> it was. I totally forgot that too. After you know, uh, I didn't until watching it and then going, "Holy crap! I don't remember this part about Poe," <laughs> because he's got his devices from the Z10 uh, AI that controls the prison, and they scan the prisoners' memories. Because, you know, you can stop yourself from dreaming and he, he peers in on their sexual dreams and then they get tortured if they have sexual dreams after he watches them for a while, of course, because, you know, he's just checking it for content, I think. But, <laughs> but I, I like, yeah, he was a different kind of villain than I think you would expect from an action film like this. W- what about you, Glenn, with how they handled director Poe? Would you say he, he's a bit different than your normal villain because most of them usually are way more over the top i don't know he's just griffin smith so i don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he was um trying to get the best way to say it subtle he he, he played it cool i mean because yeah you know, uh, yeah I mean, it's yeah because he's not just this raving psychopath which most villains seem to always be mm-hmm. all the time it's just like why are you evil because i'm evil so, <laughs> so as i see it a bit more subdued yeah yeah, I mean, especially compared to the Clarence Boddicker character who we saw oh, early. <laughs> you know, I mean, this guy, when we first meet director Poe, he almost kind of feels like he, he you know, he is actually just kind of a, a guy there trying to run the prison until we get to see him looking in on the pervy dreams. Paul, how about you and, and director Poe? How'd you feel about the handling this villain? I think it was he d- was done uh, very well. I do understand why he would be a voyeur, uh, finding out that he's very much uh, like a, a cyborg himself. So you can kind of imagine him growing up because I, I envisioned him as being property uh, of the Mentel Corporation as right. much as being an employee. And it very possibly he could have been one of the first children, um, you know, taken and basically put into that position and and so forth and so i could see him growing up in in a world where he doesn't have any of that stimulus so he has to look at these these pictures of of people uh i agree with glenn about how he's a different type of villain i mean I wouldn't expect a villain uh, like i would expect a crazy villain to say you know when he was captured to not not basically give in you know, right. because, but he did. And, and that was just great. That was like a, a great moment. It's like, this is a smart villain. He's in, 
he wants to kind of live, you know? <laughs> so well, he, I, I admire that. <laughs> he's looking for life because they, they didn't, they didn't play with it too much. Uh, we don't get too much exploration to his character, but mm-hmm. outside of being the creepy perv, <laughs> but they do kind of explore like he's actually truly looking for uh, emotion and companionship because, as you said, he's he has been basically the product of a, a corporation. Scotty D, what do you feel about director Poe? You watch a lot of the uh, 80s uh, action films and such as well, and his villain, would you say this is a bit of a different spin well i just like the scene where he called the highlander a dumbass <laughs> <laughs> now um the uh now you know kerwood smith before that 70s show which he did such a great job on um we knew him from robocop that was me what a lot of us knew him from and i remember him from that i i saw him do some comedy when he was a guest star on a show that everybody's forgotten called the famous teddy z it was actually a John Cryer video of uh, a uh, vehicle that I liked. Um, <laughs> but uh, the um, he but, you know, I was surprised when I revisited this because I just remembered all those years ago him being like the villain, the, the bad warden like you'd see in a film like this or lock up or any of the you know dozens of prison films from years ago. And he's a villain, but he's not the main villain. And he himself is kind of uh, subjugated by the very system that he was brought up in and is forced to serve. And I thought that the, I mean, he's not a very sympathetic, he's not a sympathetic character at all, but I thought the uh, frailty he showed Mm -hmm. and how he really was kind of stuck in a prison of his own. They said that he had never left that room you know, he's. I liked the idea that he was stuck in a prison of his own. All that stuff. I think that they really worked with that, and Kurtwood Smith, being uh, more than a one-note actor, really worked with that. I thought it was a great touch. And if that wasn't enough, that was one hella creepy toupee he was digging there. <laughs> it was. I mean, did you see that thing? It's like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was rather creepy, and, and I wasn't used to. It. Like, I don't remember him having that much hair uh but you're right the actual villain in here if you get down to brass tacks is going to be zed 10 which we just get a voice but it's basically the ai of the um the ai of the prison that runs practically the entire prison the 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 robot uh soldiers and everything and uh yeah she's she's actually got a kind of a hal thing going on a bit uh you know she she's the actual programmed by the corporation and she seems to really be the one in charge doesn't she paul oh definitely i i enjoy her character i found it very sexy uh but i i do like i do like following the rules a lot so the fact that <laughs> she does that was very sexy to me Wow, he got he, Paul wanted to go to the fortress just so that he could have his dreams probed by Zed 10. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't oh. you? Come on. <laughs> no, it was a great voice acting uh, by her. I, I thought they did well establishing the AI as a character in here, considering uh, you never actually get a body of the voice, you just get the moving guns and the little moving. Uh, things that looked like they were taken from another sci-fi film. I swear, they looked really familiar. 
as as this film goes along, of course, John Henry's trying to escape and such, and uh, he runs in. He he ticks off prison director Poe, and we find out that there's another level. Which you know, the way the promotion makes it sound, it makes it sound like it's the main thing of this movie, which is the the uh, you know attacking your mind sort of thing. And while mm-hmm. we do get kind of the dream scan, uh, we only touch on it for a little bit of this film. F- uh, to like almost two of the way thirds through about the mind wipes. Uh, yeah, uh, Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about the mind wipes and, and what the prison does with these people to get them mind wiped? Well, they basically uh, put you through one of those big old, um, what gyrotron. do they call those? Ge- ge- geocentric. Yeah, the gyrotron. Gyrotrons, yeah, and they basically like throw you on one of those for a few days and uh, then you, they, pro, they they look into their mind and now they've got like all these weird corny video, video toaster effects in their <laughs> brains. And um, that I swear to God, this movie got, you know, when the budget was slashed to about a tenth of what it was supposed to be, because uh, this was because I looked for a couple different sources and I, so it seems to be semi-confirmed that this was supposed to be a big budget Arnold Schwarzenegger film at one point. Oh, was it really? Yeah, and then when they lost Schwarzenegger, uh, he like dropped out. He got disinterested, and, and instead he did Last Action Hero. <laughs> um, and um, the um, when they lost him, I'm assuming this is before it had um, United States distribution, uh, right. because there's no way he's. Arnie's doing a dimension film, but uh, the uh, uh, you know yeah when they lost him they, they, their budget was slashed from like seventy million to eight, and um, I'm I think that this would have played a lot less cheesy in like the bigger budget version because this is the corniest part of the movie. It shouldn't be too because it should be the most interesting part. You're seeing all of his desires get wiped away, and then eventually they probe into the mind. And try to get him back into sanity and everything like that. But it's all like done to these really cheesy video toaster uh, cable access chroma key effects. Uh, where it's just all getting washed or over and stuff like that. You know, it's it kind of like... Um, Kind of like how Phil Collins looks at, at like at the end of the in the air tonight video, you know, like, <laughs> just like you know, <laughs> yeah, some some deep cuts here on <laughs> the spoiler room, um, but uh, you know, and th- those things just made it look so corny, but it, they could have been some of the most interesting parts of the thing, but instead, it was kind of, if you ask me, anyway, the cheesiest part of the movie was him in the gyrosphere. And the little uh, video toaster effects that were kind of ruining the mood for watching the degradation of and eventual rebuilding of his brain. Yeah, I thought that part was a little odd, too. It makes it makes you wonder what they would have done with a bigger budget. Uh, Don, what about you in the memory wipe gyrotron from hell? I just kept having flashbacks to the Wisconsin Dells here and the gyrotron they had. <laughs> Back in the day that people paid eight bucks to vomit on. <laughs> what do you think about this method of, of memory wipe, Don? As, as, as far as getting the audience to repress how bad it was, I think it was pretty darn good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. It's just not just me. <laughs> Would you say this was probably about the corniest part of, of the film? 
Um, it, yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Scott said it pretty well. So yeah, yes, he did. He he said it well. This is. I, I didn't yeah. even remember this part of the movie. Uh, until I saw it, and then I'm like, "Oh dear God!" I'm like, <laughs> I'm well, like "Go ahead." He he goes and he gets his memory wiped, and then it's only supposed to be a few months, but his hair seems to grow an awful lot. I want hair that grows that fast. He had that mane going on, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the really long locks going on. And though uh, Lambert did play zombie pretty well, drooling on himself and everything. I was going to say, this also means that his uh, cellmates had to take care of him so that his cellmates for four months were like, you know, cleaning and changing him for like four months. So my question I pose to the rest of the group is, who is the real hero in this movie? <laughs> Abraham. Abraham. Who got to change Christopher Lambert's diaper? <laughs> like, is the question. <laughs> if he wore a diaper, I would assume. He, they well, would, they, got, they got to feel the quickening up close, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, what was not, you know, it was odd enough that they came up where they put him in this gyrotron for three days and suddenly he wiped his memory. I'm like, oh, man, you know, even Flash Gordon came up with something a little more creative. Uh, But then how he came back was even more odd. Glenn, what solution did they come up with for him to get his suddenly come back to him his old self again? I don't remember. The, the, the kid in the pit. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, I told you the memory wipe worked perfectly. The memory wipe forced wipe. the audience to repress. <laughs> well, yeah, because we get Karen Brennick, who we find out didn't escape. She's actually in the prison and actually uh, playing her own card by hanging with Director Poe in his house in his little castle in in the tower. Uh, you know, being creepy, pervy guy. Uh, <laughs> but she takes advantage of him being a, uh, a cyborg, if you will, and he doesn't take well to champagne. So while he passes out from champagne, she goes and she uses the computer chair because uh, as it's dropped in some exposition, she happened to be a computer expert, just so happened. What a it's part of her military training. Yes. What a coincidence. Uh, and so she gets to the chair and she does this memory thing to help get him back, which she, uh, she suddenly knows how to get the memory wipe back. And Paul, this little kid in the pit where she's reaching down to him. What the heck, man? Honestly, here. Do, honestly, do, do you real? Do you know how funny this is? Is I forgot completely about the entire mind wipe process. The oh, thing dear. I remember is the kid in the pit. That's the only thing I remember about that whole thing. So, isn't that weird, huh? It is weird. <laughs> but and I guess mostly because I think I I like that because of symbolism, and you know how I always try to find some meaning in something that probably shouldn't have any meaning to it you know yes. Ooh, there's a rock that was like faced like you know 90 degrees there's a meaning to that 
they did that intentionally. So the kid to me had, had, you know, having him being this young, young kid, helpless and, and just lost in, in, in this, in this world that, that actually was something that I could understand. And then having essentially his wife bringing him up, that that was all symbolic to me, and I enjoyed that scene. And like I said, it I didn't remember any of the video toaster effects. It, it makes me laugh that that it happened. I, I don't even remember any bit of that, but I do remember the kid, and that's the only thing I remember about that wipe scene. Well, yeah, I just it I thought that was some pretty advanced programming for her to get into his brain and then be able to program that scenario. Uh, I mean. <laughs> You know, it's, it's the equivalent of a story. It's like it's like you know, whenever whenever you have the the one person saying, you know, come come to me, I, I you know, and 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 that it's not really them doing that. It, it, they're that's they're doing more. You know, they're actually doing the coding and stuff like that. But it's possible that the machine itself understood what her intent was and performed that act. You know. Yeah. It is, it is 2017, after all, you know. <laughs> it, it is in the future, 2017. So, yeah, it, it could have. I just I thought that was weird. And not only does he come back, though, but he comes back, like, in full form. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, he's been vegetable man for four months, and he gets his brain back, and all of a sudden, boom, I've got this. We got a plan. We're going to do this. And I'm just like, wow, that's, that's but one he, hell of he a, had a motivation. It was like, my wife, my wife, she didn't escape. I need to do this. Boom. That's all, that's all you need. You need, you need somebody that you, you care about so much that it, everything else doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it's such a cliche storyline, but yeah. <laughs> There, there, there's a lot of cliches in here. Yeah. Uh, though not quite cliche was they had a map, and yet, Glenn, <laughs> your escape plan, how well did this escape go? It, it did not go well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, tell, tell us about their adventure in the pipes. Oh. <laughs> uh. How is he a general? <laughs> well, he was disgraced because he did lose a whole platoon. And he loses <laughs> another one here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? That's not fair. Yeah, it's the big thing. He's like, well, I, I, I don't feel feel safe. I, I could never trust people with their lives. People can't trust their lives with me again. I lost an entire platoon. No, we believe in you. <laughs> well, that was a mistake, clearly, because... The fact that he Every... got somebody to change his diaper for four months, come on. <laughs> you didn't even have to say a word and that happened. <laughs> no, no, everyone, we're just speculating the diaper thing. Okay. Uh, but... All he has to do is give him that little smirky smile and you'd be like, oh. <laughs> but, but you're right, Glenn. How is he a general? Because, oh, we'll just go through the heat pipes. You know, not <laughs> yeah. thinking people have thought of this. Um, you know, <laughs> just really, really was a piss poor plan. <laughs> 
what's the worst that could happen? They're just pipes used to heat a gigantic underground facility. <laughs> Yeah, we can we can just pop a hole in it and crawl up it. Sure, no problem. Uh, easy peasy. Yeah, easy peasy. Well, they, and they blow it up because, as I mentioned before, D Day came up with this way to get the uh, intestinators out of the people. Which, Don, medically, come on. <laughs> when do you tore up the insides of these people? Well, and I was trying to figure that out watching them. Where is this intestinator supposed to rest? They put it in through the mouth, so effectively they're force-feeding it to them. Does it attach to the stomach lining, so is it stuck in the lining? I mean, in the stomach? Because if it's in the stomach, all it takes is a good vomit to get it up. Um, well, is it, it actually... Has it moved down into the intestines? Because if it is, God, that's going to be a blockage. You know, <laughs> I thought it's going to be one incredible poop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did have a little nerve clamp, it said on it. So, but then how would they would have been able to pull it through their intestines? That's just one, this is one of those words that they use, like to say, like, uh, how, how does this thing stay in place? Why doesn't it come out? What is it? Ah, nerve clamp for that. <laughs> Why didn't it touch their spine? It, it, it's like attached to something that's like associated to your excrement. You know, are, are they saying that we think with our excrement <laughs> instead of our spines and our brains? Uh, uh, I don't know, but folks, D-Day comes up with this idea. They managed to get their hands on an intestinator still intact. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and and so they use it because it's magnetic. Of course. They use it to basically do the marble maze through their <laughs> gastrointestinal tract <laughs> to pull these intestinators up, which I'm still thinking the logistics of this. They've got no x-ray or anything. They've just got a guy with Coke bottle glasses who moves it around the, the stomach or wherever till it magnetically connects. And then he just... Moves it straight up, just about. Like, forget <laughs> intestines and liver or anything in between. If it is in the intestine, you know. Uh, Mark, yeah. uh, Mark, this is the future. Human bodies have evolved to the point where there's just a, a, a tube on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> it is 2017, after all. Yeah. So that's true. <laughs> so they blow the hole and they try to escape. That doesn't work. So he he has to fight his way out to get to his wife who is pregnant uh, all this time. And she's been living with uh, director Poe and yeah, during, during uh, a little bit earlier, as we mentioned, uh, she wanted to protect her baby because uh, anyone with an illegal baby, uh, it becomes property of the corporation and they turn them into little cyborg babies. Yay. Oh. Yay. I mean, so no bad, bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, we're learning a lot about Paul tonight. You know, I we're, think finding so. out, we're finding out that he's like got like a big thing for like you know authoritarian things. Like, you know, he like. Do you like watch like the man in the high castle? And he's like, <laughs> oh, someday. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? <laughs> Thought we knew you. <laughs> I like that idea, but it's mentioned and pretty well not. Too explored much, but 
uh, of the babies being used for cybernetic. It's mostly uh, through dialogue we get it. But Christopher Lambert, John Henry, he goes out. He's route ready to ace Poe. And then, uh, yeah, they find out that his wife's going to have the baby very soon. And she's gonna, it's going to become property of the company. So he, they take a break from prison break so he could go free his wife. Uh, meanwhile, yep, D-Day is able to hack in without his glasses now, though he was stumbling around before, and he manages to stop the cyber soldiers. And so you would think this movie would end <laughs> when they all get in the truck and they leave because they did a prison break. Okay, great. The movie's end. The, movie, the, movie's, the movie's still going, Don. The movie's still going. And then Dawn, she's having her baby. You know, and, and there's multiple endings. So there are. I, I'm hoping that everybody saw the same ending. Did, did we all see the ending with uh, her having the baby in the barn and the yeah. truck coming alive? Yep. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, apparently one of the endings just ends with her having uh, the baby in the barn and the whole truck thing with Cliff, Clifton Collins' character. Uh, meeting his untimely end wasn't part of the second ending. The original ending was the one we all saw. Ah, so that was the original ending. Well, yeah, you know, that was, that was just interesting because here she is, they're driving along in their stolen uh, truck and they don't think there's any tracers or anything on it because this is 2017. Why would you have such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> and so she stopped to have the baby and so we take a break from labor to have a fight with a truck, which, uh, Paul, we ran into this again now. You have a truck driving straight at you, so what direction do you run? <laughs> right at it. Come on. You have to. <laughs> Nino Gomez, who was uh, with our hero all along, we haven't really mentioned him, played by Cliff Collins uh, too much, but, yeah, Clifton Collins, he's been kind of the sidekick, and here he is grabbing the pot of water and the truck comes alive, and instead of veering left or right, he tries to run straight away from the truck. Yes. Instinct. Instinct kicked in, and, and the, the flight and fight and flight response didn't quite go, maybe because the intestinator whole incident screwed up his, his spinal cord, uh, his colon, whatever. Yeah, you, you keep trying to explain that away. <laughs> Well, and, and actually, actually, the one thing that might make sense if we're if we're really grasping at straws, he was trying to run into the barn to tell the other oh. two about the truck. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true because they wouldn't have heard the revving of the truck. Um, well, not <laughs> with her screaming in labor. That's true, screaming in labor. Uh, she's having a baby, and, and then the truck crashes into <laughs> the bar, and Lambert takes takes pot shots at the truck. And... Why not stop the truck when it was leaving, though? If you could control the truck, why not just stop it from leaving? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 th I, I still think Clifton Collins' character was somehow related to Char Charlie Theron or something. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's like, you know, oh, I got to run straight. <laughs> Serpentine means nothing to me. 
So, yeah, we get this climactic thing where our our hero uh, takes shots at the truck. He's like, yeah, I'm going to blow it up. And the truck runs to the barn. And last time we seen her, she's she's literally giving birth or, or she's in the final contractions and the barn blows up. But. Dawn. What happens after the barn blows up in a fiery explosion? Well, not what I hoped. Um, instead, what happens is she managed to drag her butt out behind another outbuilding where she gave birth very safely. It was be- behind a fallen tractor, but that wasn't. I'm thinking of the logistics of this, and maybe we're digging too deep. I'm just having fun with this, but thinking of the logistics of this, she's in horrible, she's in pain. In labor pains, yet she managed to get like, I mean, this tractor where she was hiding out wasn't like right next to the barn, was it, Gwen? I mean, this tractor, she she had to travel a bit, didn't she? Yeah, she did. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, again, future people, labor's pretty easy once it's, you know, ah, yeah. done, you're good to go. <laughs> but once you've, once you've had an intestinator dragged out through your yeah. upper GI. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean... But also too, this is a, this is they they lot she she went through the heartache of losing her first child. She wasn't going to let this one die no matter what. So I, I could give her extra extra stamina bonus for that. You know? I, I was I was at the birth of both of my children. Yeah. Okay. So and was I. That's <laughs> it's a good thing. Why were you at the birth of my children? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And uh, no, she she was not making a a sprint to the truck to hide behind the trailer to to have her baby before the truck blows it up. You know what, guys? You're not being chased by a truck. (laughs) You know what, guys? I I just think though that women are amazing. Yeah, they are. And you don't. I'm learned long ago to stop underestimating what they are capable of this is, <laughs> including, this is including running from a robotic killer truck this is this is very true <laughs> you're absolutely right there, there is a chance it just i just it was just an interesting ending to this film i didn't think it would go, you know i was like dawn and and yes folks you're finding out the crew of the spoiler room are, are pretty freaking dark but i was kind of hoping there was the sad ending for our hero to where he went through all this and the truck that he took out actually took out the barn and his wife and his child number two uh and, and truly the only reason I felt that way is because this movie, like so many other movies, had that formula at the end where you knew about halfway through the movie that nobody was going to survive except for John and his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just guessing which ones were going to die along along the way in, in what order. Aww. And it, it was one of those... It, it was one of those tropes that really annoy me in a lot of action movies well yeah especially you know the guys who didn't get top billing uh which one's gonna die first it's not if it's usually when (laughs) see now a perfect ending for this film barn blows up he thinks his wife and son and child are dead yes fast forward 20 years later he's chilling somewhere in mexico and cyborg baby comes in. 
He's like, shit. Oh. <laughs> and captures him and takes him into like a space prison. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His kid is now running the prison. Oh, yes. To which, yes, folks, there is actually a fortress too, but that's not the storyline, though. I think that storyline is pretty interesting. I think we've got a fortress three going on right there. And I think we could probably get Christopher Lambert to reprise his role as well. I, I saw Fortress 2. I, I don't know how many people saw it. I saw it years ago, like when it first hit video, because it didn't go to theaters in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all I remember about the film is, it is one, I remembered thinking that, come on, Pam Greer like, just rocked everybody's world in Jackie Brown, and they've given her this. <laughs> I was really, I was really upset by that because, like, you know, this was like just like like a year and a half, two years after Jackie Brown, and um, the, uh, and again, what I thought was that yes, it's a space prison, and there is a sequence that I seem to remember where Christopher Lambert seems to be out of the spaceship in the vacuum of space for a good solid minute or so. <laughs> And he makes it, and he's just fine. <laughs> I mean, I know he's the I know he's the Highlander, but come on. Eventually, his lung before he did that. Yeah, he was all hyperventilated and all oxygenated, so he could do that. It's great because that's how that works in science. I don't even know. I can't even remember how it worked. I was just I, I all I remember is like being home home in in my little uh, apartment with a with a VHS player looking up to close to the screen like this is bullshit. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it yeah, Fortress 2, we won't go too far into it. Maybe we'll save it for another episode cuz that <laughs> came out 7 years later. Lambert comes back and as Glenn puts it, how is this guy a general because that summary is uh it's 7 years after the events of the first one and uh he Brennick, along with some rebels he's in charge of, are captured <laughs> and sent to a new, more sophisticated fortress prison in outer space. So, don't if you're in, if you're in a we're in 2017 now. So if you get put into this fortress prison and you see a guy who talks real weird, like, and his name is Brennick, don't follow his instructions. Whatever he does, just let him go. Okay, uh, because he obviously, uh, yeah, is not You're the not best. Gonna make it. <laughs> not gonna make it. He will. Yes, he will. Because his name's on the poster. Yours uh-huh. is. <laughs> my, my my credits way down here. Doesn't even have a damn box around it. I mean, <laughs> I, I got to be prison bitch one. Yeah, that's my credit. <laughs> That sounds that's like a, a movie title. You know what? That's, that's something we didn't talk about, is that when D-Day uh, puts in the virus to oh, yeah, uh, the destroy, virus. to, to like, uh, make the robots go all crazy, and so that the thing, thing, it also sends everything going haywire in the prison, so yay! Okay, <laughs> the, our, our heroes, of which there's now like the uh, Christopher Lambert, his wife, and uh, Clifton Collins Jr. and only his like second feature film, incidentally, um, <laughs> are escaping. Okay, half the other prisoners are 
freaking dead at this point. <laughs> they're like dying in like horrible ramp and elevator accidents. They're getting crushed. They're getting <laughs> burned. I'm like, yay! <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have been rooting for Jeffrey Cohn. Looking at this kind of a dick. <laughs> he went out. He well, went out. His whole point was to blow things up. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but I mean, you think he's going to blow things up, but you think he's going to be like, not blow everything off. <laughs> he was at his way out, and you know, because the way it works is all you have to do is type the name of the virus you have. <laughs> execute it because it was already in the system. Obviously, yeah, they never said it was already in the system, but he he knew where the file was and he navigated to it pretty easy through that DOS screen, and uh, <laughs> he ran that executable, and sure enough, it delivered the package. But yeah, you're right. I forgot about that scene where D Day uh, delivers the virus so our heroes can escape, and uh, yeah, you get all the prisoners. They, they pile into this elevator, and they think they're free. And the elevator malfunctions and drops them to their doom. Uh, <laughs> but who cares? Because our, our the three principal characters escape out of a truck. So well, they they uh, are they are criminals, though. Remember that they are all well. But yeah, but. Also, also, we we've established that it's a totalitarian. Uh, yes, a they set the loot rules too. It's <laughs> yes. like the worst thing. I mean, for all we know, it's like you know, Computer this per- fraud. This, this, this person, like you know, gave get gave you know uh, Donald Trump a nasty look. So like suddenly, yeah. you know, he's been intestinated, <laughs> and sometimes, and sometimes, you know, Commander Poe just like sends like a tweet out, and it's like ah. <laughs> great, great. You just mentioned the name of yeah. the president-elect. I'm he's going to hear this now, and he's going <laughs> to tweet at 3 in the morning about the spoiler room. Oh, hey, free publicity. That's Thank great you, publicity. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, I think on that note, we are going to wrap it up for the night. Speaking of publicity, uh, we're just going to have everyone go down real quick. Just give your final thought with Fortress, uh, kind of like we did with Running Man. Would you recommend it to a, uh, a new sci-fi fan, or would you say, yeah, you can probably skip it and then also let us know where they can find you at don go ahead would you recommend this um maybe it would depend on the person um somebody older especially a fan of christopher lambert or jeffrey gomes or kurtwood smith Mm -hmm. um i would recommend just for the fun of it with a lot a lot of a lot of drinks And where can they find you at? They can find me at intheaudience.net. And Glenn, uh, your your kind of thoughts, would you recommend this? And uh, where can they find you at? I would recommend everyone watch this. And if you have a problem with it, you can come talk to me and I'll uh, make you watch Fortress 2. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be like, (laughs) touche. See, this is better. Because it's in space. <laughs> Everything's better in space. We got to put Hellraiser in space. We got to put Jason in space. Everything's better in space. Although those both weren't bad films, actually. Uh, but <laughs> I am confused by the, let's have a corporation prison for profit and make it as expensive as possible to build and maintain. Yes. <laughs> Maximum security. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but 27 bucks a head a day. So there you go. 
So, you know, they're making money hand over fist, so to speak. <clears throat> and where can we find you at, Glenn, when you're not here? Uh, you can find me uh, sitting on my butt in my apartment or on Facebook or on the YouTube with Guy to Bunker Productions, Guy to Bunker.com, or just follow me on Twitter at Guy to Bunker. Awesome. And Mr. Paul Salzer, would you recommend this? And where can they find you at? Uh, if you're a sci-fi um, newbie, I would say no, because there would be too many things in this movie that would probably be like, uh, but if you do like sci-fi, uh, then I think you would enjoy this film. Uh, it's a very comic-y, comic book-esque type of uh, enjoyment type of film. And that's, I think, what this type of movie is uh, um, catered toward. So if you're that type of person, watch the movie. If you're new to sci-fi, then don't watch this movie because you'll <laughs> probably be irritated by it. <laughs> and uh, where can they find you at and such? Uh, you can find me at uh, Forsaken Film Reviews and uh, also at Film Jerks 2.0, which is part of the Astro Radio Z Network. Awesome, and you can. That's a. They just recently had me on there. I was uh, honored to be another guest again, as we talked Circuitry Man, where you can hear more about how uh, Paul has this <laughs> wonderful talent of bringing meaning out of the uh, not so meaningful. Uh, and Vernon Wells was in that film too. Vernon Wells was in that one as well. So yes, uh, and Scotty D, how about you, sir? Would you recommend it to to anyone? And where can we find you at? Uh, it's not that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, but you know, it's 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 kind of sloppily put together. It feels like there's a lot missing, and it was edited with a meat cleaver. <laughs> there's tons of extreme close-ups, so you never really get a real picture of the scope of the thing. Eh. But I gotta say, if you're look for if you're looking for like for a sci-fi thing, no, way better. But there, if you just want to see like something that's a little over an hour and a half long, and it's like a cheesy action sci-fi film, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Kind of something that you can just kick back, as Dawn recommended, with plenty of drinks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could do. I mean, it, it, it's fun to watch, like in that kind of you know, put your brain on hold kind of way. It's not gonna. It's not that good. It's not a very memorable film, mm-hmm. but it's also, well, hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than getting intestinated. I'll say it's better than there getting intestinated. Okay, um, uh, where <laughs> you can find me anyway. That's so uh, I can dig myself out of this hole. You know. Oh, much like the movie. Anyway, um, the um. Moviocrity.com, which, uh, as I have promised, I am uh, starting to write again for uh, this year. Woo-hoo. I'm going to put some stuff up there. Uh, I've actually just uploaded something new, and I'm looking for some layout changes. If anybody has any WordPress know-how, let me know. Um, and uh, so, the, yeah, yeah, Moviocrity.com, you can catch a lot of my stuff, a lot of podcasts I'm on, a lot of the stuff I've written. Also, check my web series out, Moviocrity, which you can catch on YouTube. Uh, and all the episodes are available at vimeo.com slash channels slash Moviocrity. 
Awesome. Thank you very much, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this conversation about Fortress. We got a lot more out of it than I thought we would. Uh, but yes, I agree. This film, uh, it's for select tastes. Those who may be Christopher, La- Christopher Lambert fans, uh, those who are, you know, the cheesy 80s, early 90s sci-fi, if, if you're into that, uh, there are far worse out there. Uh, but there are uh, many, many more better films out there. This one wasn't quite as prophetic as The Running Man, but it still had a few elements in there. So, uh, you know, 2017, eh, yeah, science fiction has made some predictions that have come true. So uh, that's why I kind of love the genre, because you're never quite sure what is, uh, you know, what what they predict will come true. And though I, I never quite imagine myself catching up to a few of these films but hey you know it's as the wheel turns but if you want to catch anything uh, that i do as well as the old episodes of the spoiler room and such you can catch it on specialmarkproductions.com itunes and stitcher smart radio uh please like and comment us and subscribe if you can and you can find us on the twitter at moviemaniac3d or at Spoiler Room PDCS. We appreciate your journey with us. We've got one more coming up that's set in 2017, and that one's called Cherry 2000, and that's next week. So stay tuned. That should be another interesting and fun-filled discussion. And now say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone. <laughs>